All right. Uh, let's go get started. There's some handouts being passed around. Make sure you get one. All right. Uh, let's open in prayer. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we ask for your Holy Spirit to minister to our hearts uh, during this time we have together. Uh, Use this morning hour to shape us to be a praying kingdom people. Steer us up to long for the coming of your kingdom and to live as faithful and humble citizens of heaven. O Lord, we give you praise to the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, uh, as we've been doing, let's start this lesson um, by reciting our Heidelberg Catechism question and answer. Uh, This is in your outline. I'll go ahead and read the question, and we'll read together the answer. All right. Heidelberg, question 127. What is the sixth petition? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That is, since we are so weak in ourselves that we cannot stand a moment, and besides, our deadly enemies, the devil, the world, and our own flesh, assail us without ceasing. Be pleased to preserve and strengthen us by the power of your Holy Spirit that we may make firm stand against them and not be overcome in this spiritual warfare until finally complete victory is ours. Uh, well, let me, let me go ahead and ask this as we get started. Uh, I know that these lessons uh, on the Lord's Prayer have been very, very sporadic. You know, we, we, we look at them, and then we take a break, and then we look at them, and then we take a break. So they've been really sporadic. Um, but let me ask this question. What have you learned so far, and what makes the Lord's Prayer so important to you? Anybody, be brave. What have you learned so far, And why is the Lord's Prayer so important to you? Anything that stands out to you so far? Pattern for a prayer, okay. I use it along with the Oh, good. So you you make use of it. Uh, Okay, that's good. That's good. Chris? Good, good stuff. Yeah, pa- patterns are important in the Christian life, aren't they? Right? Like, we are shaped by patterns. Uh, does anybody know um, in the church wh- what other patterns we perform that, that continually shape us as God's people? Anybody? We do this every Sunday. The liturgy, right? There's a reason why we, we do what we do, right? God calls us to worship. God, you know, we respond. It's a dialogue. That dialogue 
whether we like it or not, is shaping us. It shapes our day. It helps us remember who we are. We're sinners before God. We need, we need mercy. We need His grace, and so on and so forth. So that's, that's part of the significance of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, creates a, a habit, a, a pattern in us. Uh, but like Chris said, we need to remember the universality of this prayer. There are so many things that keep us as Christians from being in the same communion, um, from being in the same church, right? Uh, but the Lord's Prayer is one of those things that no matter uh, what Christian tradition you come from, it's a prayer that unites all of us across the globe, right? This is clear from the grammar that Jesus gives us in the prayer. We, d- we don't pray, my Father who art in heaven, right? We- we don't use the singular. It's okay if you do that, uh, but you can't dismiss the reality that this is a communal prayer, right? Our Father, not just my Father. That's true, but typically we pray this as our Father. We pray this together. Uh, this is w- why I really like praying it together in the worship service. It reminds me of how big Christ's church really is. It's, it's, it's a global faith. It's not just a local deity. It's not just a, a local faith that we have, but it's global. All, of, all Christians across the globe pray this prayer. And not only that, saints from across time have been praying this prayer, right? Uh, since Jesus gave it to his disciples, it's been on the church's lips, uh, which means this prayer unites all of us um, with those who came before us. Man, think about that. Think about that. Like, we're united to people like, like Calvin, like, like Athanasius. Like, they prayed this prayer. That's cool, right? Um, you know, as a side note, I, I don't think the, the, early, the early church were, I think the early church were far more committed to praying it than most of us are. Uh, their whole day revolved around the Lord's Prayer. Um, it, it, was, it was difficult during that time, but they would gather three times to pray it, morning, noon, and evening, right? which probably suggests that these early believers followed the customs of the synagogue. Uh, that, that, that makes sense, because many of them probably had Jewish uh, backgrounds. They were... Uh, simply adapting the Lord's Prayer to their tradition. Uh, and, and, you know, if that helps you, if, you pr- if that helps you to pray this prayer, do it, right? Morning, noon, evening, pray it. It's not, it's not a long prayer. Somebody's on Facebook, I think, or whatever, whatever that is, email. Um, yeah, pray this prayer, guys. Um, I mean, what's another reason this prayer is so important? The Lord tells us what's important for him. Yeah, good. Yeah, it's a demand. Yeah, Jesus finds it really important to pray it. Otherwise, he wouldn't tell us to pray it. Um, but... But going back to that pattern, right? Like, as, as you pray this prayer, just think about your own prayer life. Like, how, how is my prayer life reflecting this prayer? 
Am I, am I hallowing God's name? Am I asking for his kingdom to come? And the prayers that, that I, I personally have, do those reflect those categories? Right? I, I think that, that goes a long way if, if the Lord's prayer shapes the way we pray. Um, okay, so what are we looking at this Sunday or, or this morning? We're looking at, yeah, uh, Heidelberg question 127. Uh, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Uh, so this morning, I, w- I want us to take, just take note of this, right? It's, it's our big idea for this Sunday school. Um, it's this. As citizens of heaven, we may enter times of testing and temptation, but King Jesus will ultimately deliver us from all evil. Right? As citizens of heaven, we may enter times of testing and temptation, but King Jesus will ultimately deliver us from all evil. Uh, I, this, is a, this is very familiar, but this was a hard Sunday school lesson to write. I guess it was. As I, as I was studying and reflecting on it, it was, it was hard. So have, bear some grace with me. <laughs> yeah, it, it was hard. But, but as we begin looking at this petition, uh, let me set up the context for us. I, I think that's important. Uh, we have to remember the rest of the prayer. Uh, I think otherwise we'll, we'll miss something important about the prayer. Um, I mean, what has the prayer revealed to us so far? Anybody? This is... Yeah, this is is about the Lord's kingdom, his will. It is about the king and and his kingdom, right? We're praying that that his kingly rule will be done and that that it would come to us, right? Uh, And in fact, not just for us, but but also for the entire world. That's Jesus' mission in this world, right? It's to bring the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. And, And it's our mission. It's our, it's our mission. Um, how, and how do we know God's kingdom is coming in our midst? How, how do you know that? How do you know it's here? The, the, the Bible says it is. Yeah, well, how specifically? Yeah, the, the king has come, right? The king has come and defeated evil. That's how we know it's here. Uh, but, but even in, in, in the Lord's Prayer, you know, we know it's here because there are people hallowing his name, right? It's being set apart. Uh, and we know it's here because God is giving us our, our daily bread. The king is providing for all of our needs. Uh, I mean, in, in Matthew's Gospel, bread probably has a double meaning, God is providing not only for our daily sustenance, but Jesus himself. He's, he's giving us himself. That he's the bread of life. Right? Um, and we know it's here because God is forgiving us our debts as we come to him. Uh, we come to the, the throne, 
We ask for forgiveness. He, he, he forgives us of our debts. As we, uh, his people, are forgiving others of their debts. You know, citizens of, of heaven uh, are enacting the ethics of the kingdom. You know, that's the ethic of the, uh, of the kingdom. It's, it's forgiveness. And so far in the prayer, uh, those are ways we see the coming of the kingdom. Uh, and, and God's will being done. And so when we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, it's a continuation of that. Right? When, um, it's another component of God's kingdom coming and his will being done. In other words, the more we see evil eradicated and people being delivered from it, the more of the kingdom is being brought down to earth. The more his will is being done. Right? I hope that makes sense. I mean, that's his will, right? To eradicate evil from this world and, and, and to deliver us from, from evil. Uh, so here, here's the first thing about this petition. Notice how it starts. Lead us and, and, and deliver us. Right? Uh, that's, that's that collective component again. Us. Uh, which means that this is not primarily an individual request, uh, though it has that dimension. But it's fundamentally for the entire collective church. Uh, I I think this is really important, guys, uh, because I think for many of us, we think deliverance from sin and evil is just a private thing that happens. Uh, it, It becomes an entirely personal, isolated experience. But that's, but that's very foreign in the Bible, because we actually need each other. We, we are delivered from evil together as citizens of heaven. We are his one body being delivered from evil. What, what difference would that make if, if we thought about it that way? If we thought about being delivered from evil as a corporate, uh, as a corporate reality, rather than simply... Uh, an individual in Bookie? Well, uh, I think I'm linking a lot to uh, the Lord's perspective as a shepherd. So that if you look at him as a shepherd leading and delivering, and we think about that as a flock, mm-hmm. or we think more of a corporate sense of having pity on those who have sinned, maybe perhaps against us personally. Mm. Mm. That's good. Because we're, we're all in the same boat, so to speak. Yeah. We're all in the same boat, and I like that. We're all in the same body, too, right? Anybody else? What difference would that make? March? So good. So good. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, if we thought about it this way, I, I think we, we'd take accountability with the church more seriously. Right? We would want to seek help from others, from our officers, from, from those who are close to us, those, even those who aren't close to us. Knowing that we, we are attached to them, that we are part of the same body, we would, we would be more inclined to, to ask for help. And not only that, we would be more inclined to help. Right? As, we, as we fight sin in our lives, we, we, we want to help others fight sin in their lives as well. Right? In other words, I think this really promotes love. 
to want to see sin and evil eradicated in, in, in other people's lives and in, in our lives and, and, and helping one another in doing so, right? Um, we are asking the king to lead us together. Uh, to, to lead here means to guide someone along the way. Uh, we must be led by him if we will be delivered from evil as a church. Uh, why? Because, because we are powerless in ourselves. I, I like how the Heidelberg Catechism puts it. It says, since we are so weak in ourselves that we cannot stand a moment, and besides, our, de- our deadly enemies, the devil, the world, and our own flesh. You know, our, our, our flesh is too weak to contend with evil. We need our, our God, our King, to intercede for us. You know, when you think your flesh is, is, is strong, that's when you fall, isn't it? Uh, we get a picture of what it means to be led here um, in, in Luke 5, right? In Luke 5, we encounter a paralyzed man. Um, do you remember him? We, we looked at Luke 5 uh, not too long ago, right? Pastor Brett preached on Luke 5. Um, well, Luke tells us that some guys brought this paralyzed man on a bed. They were leading him. Uh, same word there. They were leading him so that Jesus could lay his hands on him and heal this man, right? But Luke says there was no way to lead this person, uh, this paralyzed person, to the presence of Jesus. So what did they do? Anybody remember? Yeah, they they go up to the roof. Uh, this is a crazy scene. Uh, this is, man, I, I, I like it. They go up to the roof holding the bed, right? And then they lower him to Jesus. Man, that's, that's amazing. Um, that's why Jesus calls that faith, right? They were willing to go all out for their brother, the, this man. Uh, actually, it's more than that. Uh, Luke says, and when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. You see, Jesus saw. He witnessed with his eyes their faith. It wasn't just like an internal thing. It was their faith enacted, embodied, right? Um, you see their act of leading this man to Jesus was their, their, their faith made visible. You know, something to think about as we consider our own faith, right? Our, our faith uh, must be made visible. It can't just be a private thing that we do in our homes or we think about. It has to be made fleshed, infleshed. Anyway, uh, the paralytic man being led by his friends gives us a picture of of what it looks like to be led, right? We're like that paralyzed man who could do nothing for himself. We're immobile and inert when it comes to fighting evil. We're powerless and weak against it. And so we need God to guide us and, and to lead us. Uh, This petition is actually in the negative. We're asking God not to lead us somewhere, right? Lead us not into temptation. Uh, Lord, don't lead us into that place. Guide us somewhere, but not into that place, right? Now, now that word temptation is a tricky one in the Greek. Uh, That's the reason why this passage is so difficult, I think. 
It can be translated as temptation or as test or, or trial. So, so I think this is where we need to distinguish between temptation uh, and test or trial uh, because they're vastly different. Uh, let me ask you this. What's the difference between a temptation and a test? This is important because if, if we're going to know what exactly we're praying for, we have to know what, what, what these mean. What's the difference between the two? Not many people think of, think uh, in John Owen categories, but yeah. and you said, like you said, temptation can be tested. And so the Lord may well here's a test in the, in the old King James. He said the Lord tempted Abraham to have sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And so that's kind of what you're saying. The word. Uh huh. But there's more. Yeah, I, I think I think you're 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 sensing there's a difference between the two, right? But also overlap. Good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. So on the one hand, to Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, exactly. On the one hand, you know, to be tempted is to be enticed by sin, right? Like, uh, it's when someone is pressuring you to, to commit acts of, of evil, right? Uh, but to be tested, on the other hand, is to be, to be brought into a situation where your knowledge and your faithfulness or, your, or, or, or uh, just... Your allegiance could be tried, right? It's essentially a trial. Um, I, I think every student knows all about this, right, Hannah? Right? We, we, we as students hate those dreaded final exams that either make you or break you. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I, I hate taking exams. I, you know, my, my heart get, it starts beating really fast, and, and my palms get sweaty, I, I get super flustered. I hate taking, taking them. Um, anyways, we, we have to distinguish between temptation and, and test. Right? Well, I, I, will, I will go. I will go there. I'll get there. You're reading my mind. Uh, but, let, but let's go to uh, Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Uh, you know, I guess a few chapters before the Lord's Prayer in, in Matthew's Gospel. Uh, I, I think this is a, an important passage for us to look at because it shows us uh, really this petition uh, being enacted. It, it gives us a little bit more flesh and, and what exactly we're praying for. Uh, so beginning in verse 1, uh, actually, can somebody read us that uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 11? I know it's a, a little bit lengthy, but can somebody read that for us? Anybody? Man. I will 
Thanks, Steve. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, will command his angels concerning you, and on, the, on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you, if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Okay, so after reading that, does God ever lead us into a place of temptation? Never. No, it's our own desires that we have. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. How do you know that? Because it said Jesus was led out into the wilderness. To be tempted, right? So, that's, I think that, that's, I don't know, that, that kind of uh, strikes us a little bit, right? It's, something seems off, seems odd about it, but he absolutely does. It was the spirit. Um, I'm thinking even in, in that garden of Eden. Yeah, you bring, tested, yeah, yeah. He allowed that temptation, but yeah. God himself does not tempt. Yeah. This, is, this is what we're trying to make sense of, right? right? Um, God, the spirit, leads Jesus to a place of temptation, the, the spirit, spirit specifically led Jesus into the wilderness. But here's what I, I, I don't want you to miss. Even though the Spirit led Jesus into temptation, the Spirit is not the one who entices Jesus to sin. Right? That's what we can't say. We can say the Spirit led Jesus into that wilderness where he will be tempted, but it wasn't the Spirit who, who, who tempted him. He wasn't, it wasn't the Spirit who enticed him and caused him to sin. Right? That's the difference. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for yeah, the, the the temptation comes from the devil. That's all the devil, right? The devil is the one who tempted Jesus with with power and comfort and fame and the world. He alone is responsible for tempting Jesus. And Matthew actually calls him the tempter. Yeah, we'll, we'll think about that a little bit more. Um, you know, th- does God ever entice us or cause us to sin? Never. Um, how do we know that? Well, beginning um, in the beginning of James, right? We've been going through James, and um, your your instincts are are right there. Um, it says in James 1.13, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. So whatever it means to pray, lead us not into temptation, it can never mean that God himself entices us to sin. 
When we do encounter or enter into temptation, it doesn't mean God is pressuring us to do evil. Because that's, that's not in His character. That's not who He is. God would cease to be God if He causes us to sin. God is holy, 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 right? Uh, so how do we make sense of lead us not into temptation then? Well, on the one hand, we're asking God not to lead us into, in, into the places of temptation, but we know that He can and He, he often does, right? R- remember, the Spirit was the one who led Jesus into the wilderness. Yet, on the other hand, we should still pray that we don't go into that place, right? That we don't experience the temptations of the wilderness, do you ever pray something that that you that you might go through anyways? Right? That God might allow? Yeah, all the time. Lord Lord, you know, take away this cancer. Sometimes he doesn't allow it. But is it good for us to pray that? Absolutely. 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 It, it shapes us when we, when we pray, when we pray those. Um, even those prayers that are difficult. Huh? Take away this cup. Yeah. Yeah. It's a prayer of submission. Right? Don't do this, but, but if that's your will, I'm, I'm, I'm going to live with that reality. Uh, So here's what we have to know when we enter the places of temptation. Uh, Even though God often leads us there, it's our own sinful desire that's tempting us, not him. Right? That's what what James says. Uh, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. It's we. (laughs) We are the one that makes that place a place of temptation. We or, or, or the devil, the evil forces that are coming up against us, right? It's never God who is the one uh, enticing us to sin. Okay, let, let's, let's, move on to, oh, let's move on to the other part of the petition. Uh, many actually have the second part, but deliver us from evil as a separate petition. Uh, in that case, it would be the seventh petition, but that's not the way the Heidelberg... Uh, breaks it up, right? This is just one petition uh, in the Heidelberg. But I, but I don't think it matters how much um, or how we designate it. What's clear is that it's connected to the previous clause because of that little conjunction, conjunction but it's in contrast with lead us not into temptation. Um, what are we assuming when we pray, but deliver us from evil? What are, we, what are we assuming when we say that, or we pray that? We're assuming protection from the consequences. Protection from the consequences? Okay. We're also assuming that those temptations will come. And they will come? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, First Corinthians, right? Um, yeah, yeah, I think, I think those, are, those are all good. Um, we're also, we're, we're assuming that in some sense we're, we're still in, in, in bondage, right? Or in bondage captured, enslaved by evil, right? Of course, this has been humanity's condition since the beginning. You know, as soon as 
sin entered the world, when, when Adam and Eve gave into the serpent's uh, temptation, uh, humans have since been enslaved by evil. We, you know, we call it total depravity in our tradition, right? Uh, but here's the question we need to ask. What evil are we asking to be delivered from? Because that can seem very generic when we say, deliver us from evil. Right. A person? The, yeah, this, the, this, it could be translated as deliver us from the evil one. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's definitely a possibility. I mean, what, what comes to your mind when you think of, of evil um, that we're supposed to be delivered from? Satan? Good. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else? <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's pretty good. Um, but you know, when when I pray this, or when I think about the kind of kinds of evil. Um, that I want to be delivered from, you know, I often think about bad circumstances like, like sickness, COVID, oppression, enemies, losing loved ones, abandonment, suffering, you know, so on and so forth. Or, or I think of sinful acts, right, like, like lying, hatred, lust, idolatry, envy, and so forth, right? I know, don't get me wrong, those are all evil things, right? Uh, but are those simply the evil this petition is talking about? Are those the things that are ultimately enslaving us? Well, what we are most fundamentally in bondage to is evil's very power. Right? It's not primarily bad circumstances or, or even our sinful behaviors, but the power of evil itself. That's what we want to be free from. The very thing that possesses our lives, the thing that pushes us to fail when we are tested. Evil's power um, is the thing that we really need to be freed from. You know, our, our bad circumstances and our sinful behaviors, those are symptoms of evil's reality and power, right? Uh, we, we become either victims of evil acts or we do evil things to other uh, people and ourselves, because evil has a grip on us, right? That's the thing we're praying to be delivered from. It prevents us from freely uh, living in a way that pleases God, right? Don't get me wrong. Don't, don't think I'm, I'm telling you to stop praying for, uh, to be delivered from, you know, the symptoms as well. But we need to, to, to know that there's something underneath those symptoms that, that's, that's gripping us. That's the thing that, that's primarily in view here. Uh, it's, it's hard to talk about deliverance from evil and not think of the Exodus narrative, at least for me. You know, it's really amazing uh, how much the biblical writers allude to the Exodus. You know, whenever the themes of deliverance and salvation come up, Exodus is probably in the background. Um, and so... so who can summarize the story for us? Uh, this is Sunday school, 
right? So I got to ask some softball questions. I mean, who can give us a summary of the Exodus story? One of the kids. So I'm just going to point right over here. Anybody? David? Um, it's God delivering his people from slavery to the land that he promised Abraham, his descendants, and the people not trusting in God during the time, and God putting them there for four years longer because they didn't trust him. That was good. That was good. See, I knew you can do it. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good summary. That's a good summary of the story. Um, did Israel start off as slaves in, in Egypt? No. no, no. They were a thriving people, right? They became numerous. Uh, but their flourishing scared the the, the stuff out of the next pharaoh. Um, and so he, he enslaved them and worked them to the bones, right? For 400 years, they were in bondage. Their life wasn't their own, um, and, and they were tirelessly, tirelessly working for, for this pharaoh who was, who was brutal against them. But how, how were they set free? How were they set free? Well... David said it was by God. Yeah, it wasn't because how powerful or clever they were. They didn't work themselves out of slavery, right? It was simply because they prayed and cried to the Lord. It was the Lord that called them out of slavery. He was the one who delivered them from the furnace of affliction. And so let's, let's think about this. What are some of the similarities between Israel and Egypt and ourselves in the here and now? Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else? There's that process of being. Good. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, this, this is very much like our, our condition um, that we find ourselves in. You know, we're, we're like the Israelites in a foreign land and enslaved to sin and evil. Um, but when we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, you know, that's, that's really our cry to God for deliverance, right? And just like God heard Israel and did, did, didn't forget them, and so he hears us and, and, and does not forget us. Here, here's why Exodus gives us so much hope. 
It's because that God who delivered Israel from Egypt is the same God who has delivered us in Jesus Christ. Right? Uh, turn with me to Jude 5. Oh, I'm running out of time. Jude 5. What does it say? Jude 5. Go ahead. Although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved the people out of the land of Egypt, who who delivered Israel out of Egypt? Jesus. That's, that's the same one, right? That's the same one who delivered us, right? Their hope is our hope. Their deliverance is our deliverance, right? That's why, that's why the, the writers, biblical writers, keep re- referring to, to the Exodus over and over. It becomes the paradigm for our own salvation. Um, you know, Jesus delivered us from evil in a, in a very strange way. Jesus delivered us from evil by being captured by it, by, by submitting himself uh, to evil and, its, and, and death. You know, he, he's the Lamb of God whose blood was on that doorpost of the Israelites. You now, we, we get a glimpse of this uh, when the scribes and the elders mocked Jesus at the cross. Uh, listen to this, uh, and listen to the irony. They said, he saved others, he cannot, he cannot save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he, for he said, I am the son of God. See the irony? That's the irony. They, they made fun of Jesus' kingship, yet Jesus was the true king. They thought he was a fraud, yet he had all power, he had all power and authority. You know, Jesus, our King, uh, would deliver us by refusing to be delivered from the cross. Remember when, when, when Peter uh, tried to prevent Jesus from going to the cross? What did, what did Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan, right? Right? He, he was acting, um, he, he, was, he was thinking like the enemy, But Jesus being delivered on the cross becomes our deliverance, right? The greatest evil known to man performed on the Son of Man that we might be delivered. Uh, But I think all of this brings more questions, and so I want to push the logic a little bit. Um, Why are we praying to be delivered if Jesus already delivered us from evil? Right? There's, There's... it's kind of a, a weird thing happening here. Uh, you know, if Jesus already accomplished our liberation our, our, and, and our deliverance, why are we still uh, praying to be liberated? I think that's the conundrum in the Christian life. But, but our, I'm running out of time, so I'm, I'm just going to blow through this real quick. Um, our tradition calls it indwelling sin. Right? There's, there's an already and not yet reality to our, to, to our deliverance. You know, even though we're, we, we've been freed from sin and evil, we're still in some sense in bondage to it. We, need, we still need to be fully sanctified. 
You know, we're, we're, we're freed slaves, but we still need to learn to live as free men. Right? And in some sense, that, that slavery we, we once had, it's still nipping at us. And that's, that's really the picture. We need to learn to live in the freedom of the gospel. Completely but partially, right? Like, there, there's, there's this weird thing happening there. You know, Paul, Paul in Romans 7, yeah, I, I do the things that I don't want to do, and I, 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 I don't do the things that I want to do, and, 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 and it seems like, you know, sin, sin, sin has a grip on me, that it dwells in me, because it dwells in me still, right? Um, I'm out of time, but let me, let me close with, this, with a few reflections. Why do we need to pray this prayer? Well, uh, we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Because it reminds us that we haven't arrived yet, right? Even on our best days, it reminds us that we, we can't stand on our own. Lest pride enter our hearts and we fall. Uh, even on our best days, we still need deliverance from evil. Because so long as we are on this side of heaven, we will continue to struggle with temptation and evil. You know, John says, if we, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. How easy, easy it is to, to become prideful when we, we have seasons of, of, you know, of victory. And so we need to keep crying out to be delivered. And remember, praying, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It doesn't mean that God won't lead us in places of temptation. But it also doesn't mean that he'll abandon us when he does bring us there. Right? Paul says, God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. God leads us into temptation not because he's a monster, but because, or that he's playing some sick joke on us, but because he wants to refine us. He wants to strengthen our faithfulness to him, that our allegiance to the king might endure. Because it is better to undergo temptation, even a time of giving into it, than to ultimately renounce our king. Amen? Let's, let's close uh, by reciting together the Lord's Prayer. Let's pray. Uh, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.